bring greetings to you this morning. In the name of the Surgeon General, Jesus Christ our Lord, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit, out of the joints and the mars, and a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I'm not the Surgeon General. I'm not the Surgeon. I'm only an assistant. In case you wonder what I'm taking up in my retirement years, I'm, I'm taking up a Surgeon's assistant here. And uh, using a play on the words here, perhaps. But uh, And I, uh, I was watching a YouTube video of a wedding um, where the pastor that was doing the ceremony came up to the, perform the vows and... Uh, you know, he said I had all all kinds of good thoughts and comments to share with the couple in in this at this moment. But he said they all vanished; <laughs> they're all gone. And uh, I had listened to the sermon too. I thought the sermon was well prepared, so maybe he felt like there was nothing to add. But uh, he said they were all either had all been said or were all gone. But uh, he was quite uh, getting elderly, older than me, and uh, so he proceeded with the ceremony. And uh, I thought that was a good way to handle it, whether uh, he had not written the notes down or the thoughts down. But uh, so this morning, I I don't have. I like to get background of where my sermon came from, and I don't I don't know where it came from. The Lord is all I can tell you. Uh, sometimes there's experiences that happen throughout our life or our week or whatever the circumstances may be, and we, you know, God begins to work. So I've been thinking about this sermon for several days throughout the week. I knew I had been assigned this Sunday, but I can't really point my finger on saying this is what happened, okay? This is what took place. This is why, uh, you know, why I'm sharing with you, why God has led me to share with you what I'm going to share. But the only thing I can say is probably... I will do know this, and this is from comes from years of experience, is that you know I needed a double dose of what I'm sharing with this morning because that's the way God works. Uh, God, you know, the, the 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 one that prepares, the one that presents the service gets a double dose of the sermon, and uh, so I can conclude that God knew that I needed it for sure, and I'm sharing that with you from that context this morning that. That you as human beings this morning facing experiences in life like I, similar to me, probably as well needed this morning. This morning I'd like to think about, Ella said about the 18 inches between our, our mind and our heart. This morning I'm gonna, I'd like to zero in just a little bit closer. I'd like to go right here, right to our minds this morning and talk about the thought process that takes place. I'm not an, a, a psychologist, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a neurosurgeon. I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's from that premises that I share with you this morning what I'm going to share with you. Our minds are an amazing part of our being, central and control vital life and the ability to think and to learn. You know, it's amazing. You know, from the smallest child this morning that has very limited experience and exposure, and, and you know what that potential is in that baby in your arms this morning. You know, what can happen and take place with that life is impressive. Let's never underestimate that. Never underestimate that. It's, it's an investment in eternity. And we saw that in our Sunday school lesson too, in, in the life of Samson, you know, who was a, a child. And, and again, I don't have a lot of the explanations for, for what all took place there. And I don't need to have the explanation, but I know God had planned, God had a purpose. And the closer we, we, uh, 
we allow our lives to be conformed to God's plan and purpose, the greater the blessing will be to us and to those around us. In our minds, in our thinking capacity here, it's, it's in that mind process that we have the ability to know God. We have the ability to know God. And you stop and, and contemplate that, that thought for just a little bit. And I'd like to read to you from Hebrews chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. Has the thought occurred to you this morning that God has thought about you? Each one of you individually. God has thought about me. I can't explain to you. I couldn't explain to you. I mentioned that before why I'm sharing uh, this message this morning. But God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has intent. And God can take this, the words of his of the truth of the gospel and can take it and apply it to our experiences, to our lives. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 6 through 8. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him, but now we see not yet all things put under him. And that's somewhat is talking about Christ. But if you go back to David, if you go back to the Psalms, actually, the uh, it mentions in Psalms 144, verse 3. And I think that's what in verse 6 it's talking about. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? And it's talking about the, the, the plan of salvation and what God saw the need in man's life for redemption. And then he... He continues on to to explain how he's going to provide that redemption. And the psalmist David is referring to that in that thought in verse 6. And that's what I want to challenge your thoughts this morning is to realize that God has thought about you today. God has thought about me today. And, you know, what does that do to your heart? What does that do to your mind? Does that warm your heart and mind? As I was thinking about thoughts, I, I I tend to let my mind sometimes wander, and I I ask myself, I say, you know, okay, how many thoughts went into this service this morning? Braden, how did you select the songs? <laughs> you just dropped the book open, and there it was, one number one. You, know? <laughs> you could do it that way. I think the Lord could work that way. Uh, else, the devotional selection, the thoughts you shared, you know. Uh, those that shared thoughts in the Sunday school lesson. The sermon. How many thoughts are in the sermon? Clean. how many thoughts did you have invested in the Sunday school lesson? No idea. You know, sometimes our thoughts run in chains. And, uh, you know, then sometimes we, uh, we, we plead senior moments and we say we got distracted or we, uh, we had a, uh, you know, we, did, we lost our train of thought is an expression we use. I lost my train of thought. But... Uh, you know, just to think how many how many thoughts went into this service. You know, the and really getting personal now. How much thought went into what you dropped in the offering basket as it passed? Did you just reach in your back pocket and pull it out and drop it in, or did you say, "Oh yeah, let's see the needs for Maranatha"? I remember Richard down there. He's he got to have something to eat too. You know. Well, I'm told. I'm told this is. I did not. I did not calculate this out for myself. And I'm sure there's. This is an average. They say the average person, 
entertains approximately about 6,200 thoughts a day. Now, that would depend whether you're hyper or, or a little more laid back, I guess. You know, how fast, how fast your processor is. <laughs> you know, whether you got a 386 or you got whatever. I don't know what the new terms are. But anyway, we bought our first computer, the 386, was kind of almost at the cutting edge, not quite, but they were coming out with the 486, I think. But, you know, I don't know how close that is to realistic, whether my mind is, is in that, you know, average is average, or how do they, how do they figure that? I don't know. 6,200 is an average. <laughs> I can believe that could be possible. I would have thought it would be more, perhaps. Uh, and that was deducting the sleeping time off, so if you're dreaming, that didn't count, I guess. But uh. So as I, I thought about the thought process, you know, what, what takes place in our minds and, and the ability to know God through that thinking process, you know, to think of, of God who he is and how much greater he is than us and, and how small we are and how much we need him. You know, it's, it's, it's a challenge to realize that I need to cultivate my thinking, my thoughts, that I might know God. Now, I like to think, as I thought about those 6,200 thoughts, and uh, so I, I broke them down into four categories, okay? So these are the four categories I'm suggesting. These are, I, you may break them down different ways, but okay. So I thought about uh, one number one category is environmental. You know, okay, so I'm, are you sleeping this morning? Are you hot? Are you cold? Uh, you know, is the janitor doing a good job? Uh, food? Am I hungry? Am I tired? Well, we wish I'd quit so I could go home and eat my dinner, my lunch. So that's one category. Environmental. Those things that we are conscious of that we're around. Those are the thoughts that we, we're, you know, they're there. They're, we're processing them. The second category is the idea of truth and God. Okay, so that's the second category within our thought thinking. That I would include prayer, talking to God, meditation, reading, inspiration, you know, all that we're doing here this morning in a very, uh, um, uh, what's the word I want? Yeah, thinking. Uh, a very uh, accelerated way, I guess I'll use that word. You know, we, it's different than the other six days of the week, right? Is it or isn't it? That's a question you have to answer. Uh, Sundays, uh, I'll challenge you. I mean, I know we've got to do our work. We got to, we got to eat. You know, because that was category one. That's our environment. We got to have clothes to wear. We got to have roof over our heads. You know, that's important. Okay, but then, how important is it to know the truth, to know God, and the spiritual dimension of who I am and who God is, and my need of Him, and His His ability to use me for His purposes? How important is that? The, the uh, third thing is the idea of. Uh, Negative thoughts, you know, let's be honest, we all have that process, we all have that ability that we have a little dimension, the ability to think negative thoughts, that's selfish thoughts, untruths, deceptions, lies, they come in, they, they're, they're in there, okay? The fourth thing, compartment category, is that of relationship thoughts, and those are, you know, right here, our families. Our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Maybe our brothers and sisters that we don't know personally. You know, that would include love, kindness, helping others. As I thought about those four different categories of uh, environmental, uh, truth, spiritual, the negative dimension, the relationship thoughts, I, I left my mind just wonder a little bit to the life of Christ as he served here in his earth, earthly ministry. 
Laverne, do you know what Jesus' favorite food was? Do you know what my favorite food is? Chicken? chicken? Okay. <laughs> Maybe Chinese chicken? I was going to ask Danelle. She probably had a little better idea. But, uh, well, that's one of my favorites. You know, chicken, Chinese chicken. I like them. But, you know, do we know what Jesus' favorite food was? Do we know what his favorite leisure activity was? I don't know the Bible really tells us. Um, you know, I, I thought of all some of the eating experiences of, of Jesus. You know, he went to Mary and Martha's house. You know, that was a favorite place. You know, Martha's uh, Mediterranean dish culinary skills were probably beyond my imagination. But, you know, does Jesus even mention that? Matter of fact, he kind of rebukes Martha for not choosing. You know, he says Mary has chosen the better thing, that of of focusing more on the uh, the truth and uh, the the relationship with with God, and uh, you know I don't know whether you fit yourself in with Mary or Martha, and that's secondary to my, what my message is here this morning. But uh, you know the friendship there seems to have overshadowed the food dimension of it. But uh, and you might say, well, he could produce enough food to feed 5,000 people just simply by word of mouth. Why would he think about food? But should we think about food? Well, I think we need to be honest. We, we, it's good to think about food. I think we need to think about food. But how much percentage do we give to that? Now, this is my, this is, I'm going to really open myself up here. This is my, my idea of what I think are percentages. Now, I remember I said there's four categories. This is how I think percentage-wise. If you have a healthy spiritual mind... I'd say 70% of your brain should be focusing on truth and God. You know, those things that are really beyond this life, 70%. Some of you might say, oh, you're being a little over. Some of the others, some of the, some of the rest of you might say, well, I don't need to be that much, or, or it should be more, it should be 90%. I'd say 20% of our thought, you know, at the end of the 6,200 thoughts, at the end of the day, if we could spit out, our computer chip would spit out and say, yep, 70% truth and God, 20% relationships, that was a little, there just was enough of a percentage here, because I think relationships are important. But I still had to, I had, had to split up this 100%, right? When I went to school, 100% had to equal 100%. You didn't have never more than 100%, right? Okay. So 70% for truth in God, 20% for relationships, 9% for environmental. So if you get lunch or dinner today, it's only a 9% chance. <laughs> 1% negative, okay? I, I did leave that 1% there because you know, that's realistic. There's that 1% there, but okay, you, you better not let it get beyond 1%. And don't go home and say the preacher said I'm allowed to have 1% negative thoughts today. <laughs> you talk to the Lord about that, and I bet you he'll take care of that 1% and reduce it down to one tenth percent Well, so how, there's a, there's a thought, there's a verse that came to my mind as I was meditating on this, these thoughts. How can I be a healthier, how can I have a healthier mind? And uh, this verse here jumped out to me in First uh, Corinthians chapter two, verse sixteen. I know the rest of you knew this was there all along. We're just waiting for me to find it. First Corinthians chapter two, verse sixteen. The last part of that verse. You know what it says? It says, "But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ." So as Jesus walked this earthly ministry, those thirty-three years that he was here among you and me. Not you and me, but our forefathers. You and me. He gave us the ability to have the same ability to have proper 
mind concept. And I'm saying that was 70% truth in God, 20% relationships, 9% environmental, 1% negative. Now, God was God, so I, I got to take that 1% out because he, there was no sin, no fault in him whatsoever. But we are human. We, we receive from our, uh, our parents that Adamic nature, so that 1% is there. And, and I, I fail. I'm, a fe- I'm far too afraid many times that 1% gets up to 5% and 10%. And before long, we can be in a, a downward spiral with those negative thoughts. One of my, my favorite verses as I, I think about thoughts and thought processes in Philippians chapter 4, um, verses 8 and 9. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. The God of peace shall be with you. How do we have the mind of Christ? Well, I believe it's through the Holy Spirit. We can have that mind of Christ. Our, our thinking process, as I, the closer we walk to the Lord and the closer, the more God infills us with His Spirit, I believe we will have that mind of Christ, and verses 8 and 9 will be our experience in life. You can take that verse apart. Truth, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtuous things, praise, and, and you know, making them a part of our thinking process. It's, it's, it's not always easily done, but with the Spirit of God, God dwelling within us, I think it can be done. It will enable us to be a channel of of God's love, to see the needs, to see life, to see the world through the lens of God, to see the needs, to, to listen to the hurts, and to think the thoughts that are healing and, 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 and drawing people to God. I thought of the verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 6. I'll not turn to that, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Do I realize that to be spiritually minded is life and peace? And maybe we need to bump that 70% up. If, if, if being spiritually minded is life and peace. Well, again, I'm just using generalities here, and it's 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 this is in layman's terms, so deduct after what it's worth, those percentage figures. If you want to bump that up to 90%, I certainly am not going to have any problem with it. I believe in being realistic, but I also realize that God is great, and uh, I certainly want to give room for improvement. There's four things that I have listed as I think about having the mind of Christ. And the first thing, first step that I, I'd like you to consider is in uh, a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. And again, these are no, probably no new verses to you, but checking, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. 
I think the first step is we need to realize that we need help in bringing every thought into captivity. There needs to be that filter. There needs to be that screen. Okay, is it something that is going to be uh, against God, against the knowledge of God? Is it, going to be, is it going to be something that's going to take me away from my relationship with him? <clears throat> Reading the scripture, memorizing the scripture, meditating on the scripture, praying to God. Ask God questions. Show me, Lord. Where, what the long-term consequences are of this thought. You know, thoughts are, are just small, small little nuggets, but you know, they have a way of, of growing and building. Bringing every thought into captivity, that's step number one. Step number two is found in Hebrews chapter four, verse twelve, and I read that about the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. I'd like to think of yourself, daily lay yourself on God's operating table, not just Sunday morning when the preacher brings it up as a subject to discuss. Do it daily. And you know, be ready. God doesn't use anesthesia, by the way, I'll warn you. Be ready to say, ouch. Humble yourself and say, I'm wrong, I'm sorry. But be willing to daily lay yourself before God as you read his word and allow his spirit to bring and to cut and divide those things, those thoughts in our minds that are going to take us away from him. The third check, third step that I want you to consider is the idea of consider your social circle. We are social people, even though I allocated only a, was it 20% to, to social thoughts. And again, that might depend what phase in life you're in, I'm not sure. But the, the proverb writer has this to say, and I, I think it's a good reminder, Proverbs chapter 13 Verses 20 through 22. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. How much clearer can that be? He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Evil pursueth sinners, but to the righteous good shall be repaid. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. I, you know, we, we have, I have too many blind spots in my life to walk the way of truth alone. I need a social circle of trusted advisors around me. Uh, that last verse there in verse 22 in Proverbs talked about the inheritance. I don't know how many of you caught the little news tidbit about the uh, owner of uh, Hobby Lobby. Uh, just came forward and said he was not going to pass the business on to his children and grandchildren. He said wealth is a curse. And, uh, you know, that's quite a statement from a businessman worth, I don't remember what the number was, estimated worth. I don't know if you knew for sure. Was it was $17 billion? I don't remember. But he said it seems unfair to me that I'd be passing this risk owned to my children and unborn grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And uh, I, I don't know what all his thought was in that process, but, uh, you know, it seemed like uh, he had a good motive anyway, and I don't know what he's going to do with it. I don't know if he get spun off to some charity organization. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't deal in those realms. <laughs> I don't have that to worry about. But uh, 
But remember, as you think of your social circle of influence around you, it, ha it impacts your thinking, your thought. Give great consideration to the values of those that are nearest you. What do they value? Do they value God as their Savior? Do they value the truth of his word? Are they reading the same rule book that you're reading? Value that and consider that. I was going to mention some definitions here as far as uh, there was another one back in Proverbs here, two more actually that I wanted to mention in relation to that. Proverbs chapter uh, 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Use that as a litmus test of your social circle of social friends. Do they, do they fear the Lord? The beginning is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And dropping back to Proverbs 13, I wanted to read a couple other verses there in that same proverb, uh, verses 13 through uh, 15. Whoso despises the word shall be destroyed, but he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. The law of the wise is a fountain of life. To depart from the snares of death, good understanding giveth favor, but the way of the transgressor is hard. Again, those are very, very easy to understand truths, I believe. But somehow we think we can circumvent those aspects of it. Step number four. John 15, the good fruit passage. I think we need to inventory our lives as we think of, of our thinking process, our thoughts. What kind of fruit am I bearing? Uh, is my life bearing fruit for the master? I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it that it may, be, that it may bring forth more fruit. Do I understand that God wants fruit from my life. And it begins up here in my thinking process. Am I bearing fruit for him? What are the fruit? We could turn to Galatians chapter 5 and uh, read the fruit of the Spirit. Am I bearing fruit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, you know, an intimate relationship with my Lord and Savior needs to be first if I'm going to be a fruit bearer. I need to maintain that that connection if I'm going to be bearing fruit. Thoughts sowed produce a deed or an action. Actions become habits. Habits translate into a lifetime, and a lifetime leads to one of two eternal destinies. You know, as I was... Meditating, inside my thought process, my wheels were turning. I, a memory came to my mind, and I'm not even exactly sure as I, it has thoughts, and I'll connect it with something that you might understand just a little bit later. But uh, growing up as a boy at home, I remember there was a motto that hung on our wall, and I don't, I can't, I can't remember for sure. I, I didn't take the time to ask any of my siblings if they remembered this incident. But I don't remember what the incident was, but it was, it had hung there, and I don't, you can't even remember, recall the picture that was on it, but I, what I do remember is, we had taken that motto down on, we took it down to clean it, and for some reason we took the back off, the backing, and behind that picture, here was another picture displayed. Now, I thought that was rather interesting, rather unique. A little like our thoughts sometimes. 
you know, you can tell what I'm thinking this morning because I'm vocalizing. But I can look at you and I can't, I can maybe tell you're with me, uh, most of you anyway. Uh, but, you know, I remember being fascinated by that. Now, what would really make the story really paramount would be, you know, we looked at that picture in the back there and here was a, a Norman Rockwell original worth billions of dollars. You know, and here it was hidden behind on our wall there in our living room for how many years? Well, it wasn't, at least not that I'm aware of. <laughs> I don't know what happened to that picture. Maybe one of my siblings got it. I better <laughs> check up on that. But, uh, you know, it, it, it was, you know, the, you know, why that picture was back there, I don't know. Uh, but what I did think about was I, it, it, it presented me with a, uh, you know, it, it explains to me the dilemma that Lois and I have, okay? You presented us with that Good Shepherd picture of Kincaid. But on the back side is all your kind thoughts and signatures. So which way do we hang that picture on the wall? Do we hang it with your kind thoughts, you know, out? I don't know. Maybe we'll do six months one way and six months the other way. I don't know. We haven't discussed it. Uh, but, you know, those were your thoughts. Many of you had thoughts. Many of you just wrote your signatures, which is fine. Uh, that's who you are. Your signature's enough. I can tell what you're thinking. Got him out of the way. <laughs> Here I am back, sorry. <laughs> well, Isaiah 55, verses 8 9 tells us, My thoughts, my thoughts are not your thoughts. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. But then, that was in the Old Testament. Then we come to the New Testament, and then it says we can have the mind of Christ. You know, it's a progression that takes place from the Old Testament to the New Testament. I believe they knew God in a, in a way... To, to a degree, but I believe we as New Testament saints this morning have the ability to know God in a, in a closer way than they did in the Old Testament. My thoughts are not your thoughts. And he describes them as high as the heaven as the earth. How high is that from the earth to the heaven? I, I can't put a dimension on that, but I know it's great. And I'm, I'm trusting God's thoughts, you know, they're way up there somewhere. And, uh, Amos 4 verse 13 is one I should just turn to. For lo, he that formeth the mountains and created the wind. Talk about thoughts. You know, I, I don't wonder how much thought God put into creating the world. You know, when I when I do something, I like to think about it a while. I've been working on some projects that I'm, I'm still thinking. But, you know, God knows God's God. And, you know, even as he created mankind, you know, wouldn't it have been nice to stand there at his elbow and watch him, watch him create Adam? Two feet and he's walking upright, the only of your creation that does that. Now, files do, but then they had wings, okay? Um, but you know, not too many other of God's creation walks up right on two feet. Back to verse 13. For lo, he that formeth the mountains and createth the wind and declareth unto man what is his thought that maketh the morning darkness, treadeth upon the high places of the earth. The Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. That's who we're talking about this morning. He has put thought into creation. It may, it, it probably didn't take him as long as it would have taken me. I'd still be in the working process. God did it just by speaking it. That's how fast his processor is. He can do it. I can't. Jeremiah chapter 29. Familiar verses. Talk about God being personal this morning. And I like these verses. Jeremiah 29. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Now those are, there's a lot of 
a lot of promises in those two verses there to realize that God wants to have a relationship with you and me this morning. And we can call upon him and uh, he will give us, he will hearken unto us. In conclusion this morning, as I thought about the thought process that takes place in our minds day after day after day, sometimes our thought thinking gets weary. I've been there. Sometimes we roll things over and roll things over. And Keep your face toward the sun, S-O-N, God, and you'll never see a shadow. Keep your face toward the sun and you'll never see the shadow. Someone else has said, if you realize the power of thoughts, if you realize the power of thoughts, you'd never entertain a negative one. And I think that's what we need to be reminded of as I thought of the, the percentages we talked about, you know, to realize the potential of negative thoughts. The power of thoughts has the ability to draw us closer to God. The power of God has the ability to take us away from God. Let's make sure that we keep those thoughts. Look at those percentages daily. Is that for 70% increasing as we think of, of uh, knowing God, truth, and uh, walking closer to him? May God help us to develop our thinking process so that it can be a glory to God.